Amen. I think we could just go home right now. What a message. Actually, that message is in the closing verses of Psalm 119, which we look at tonight. So turn to Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And this is the, these are the closing verses that we look at tonight, having looked at all 176 verses by the time we finish this evening. You remember that when we started, this psalm is, a, is an absolute work of art, obviously. It was inspired by God. But the way it is written, it corresponds to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And there are 22 stanzas of eight verses in this psalm. Each eight-verse stanza corresponds to one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And every line of those of those stanzas begins with that letter that it corresponds to. We don't really get that in the English, but that is how it is constructed. And the whole psalm really is about God's Word. It's about the importance of the Word of God. And we come to this final section that talks about the psalmist is saying how he stood in awe of God and His Word. So look at verse 161, and I'll read through verse 176. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you. Because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Lord I hope for your salvation. And I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. And I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies. For all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication or my prayers come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments." And so all through this psalm, as, as the psalmist uses the, the term, the law, the testimonies, the commandments, that all of those uh, way, are ways of saying God's word, the word of God, as written and as uh, spoken by Moses and the prophets. And so even in the Old Testament here with the psalmist, before the rest of the Bible was even written, he was praising 
and giving thanks to God for the written word that he had. We are so blessed that we not only have what the psalmist had, we have all of the psalms, we have the rest of the prophets, and we have the entire New Testament that tells us about Jesus who came long after the psalmist was writing this. But he was voicing how wonderful the word of God is. And he says, I stand in awe. My heart stands in awe of your word. Now, the word of God is simply God himself speaking to us, right? And so when we say we stand in awe of the word of God, we, we can't do that without standing in awe of God himself because he's the one who inspired the word of God to be written. And he did it because he loves you and me. He came after us. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. And so he did for us what we could have never done for ourselves. And as we came to those closing verses that we just read, the psalmist was really far ahead of when Jesus came into the world. He was really foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do that he was going to seek us out. You notice he says in verse 176, seek your servant, come after me. He said, I know I'm like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Well, that's exactly what the Lord did. He came after us to find us, to save us, and to keep us from being separated from him forever. This psalmist is very transparent. All through this psalm, he has documented his life. He has testified to what has happened to him in his pursuit of living a godly life. And really, verses 161 to 168, that whole stanza of eight verses, the entire thing is speaking as a testimony. It does not record even a single petition there. But it's the psalmist talking about his life and needing the help of God. He knew he needed God's help. And he's testifying to his need for him. As we listen to him, we learn some of the true dynamics of a good and godly life. And this whole psalm has guided us in that way. It's really talking about an obedient heart. And here this psalmist wanted to be a heart, uh, a servant who had an obedient heart and who was uh, willing to follow the direction of God. An obedient heart is a heart that has fear of God. Fear meaning awe, that he says, my heart stands in awe of your word. To stand in awe of something, it has to be so amazing, so magnificent, you don't even hardly know what to say. There are things that happen in your life and, and you, may be in, you may be encounter a situation or somebody who gives a speech or who says something and you're so amazed by it, you just kind of stand there, you don't know what to say. Well, God's word is like that. God speaks to us through his word. And if you'll open the Bible and read it for yourself, God will speak to you. It has power because it is God's very word. His spirit will take it and will speak to your heart. If, you're, if you have an open mind and heart as you open it and read it, God will use it. That's why we, we want so much to get the word of God into people's hands. 
so it will get into their hearts. Uh, the Gideon ministry. I know Tom is a very active Gideon, and Bob Streeter is a Gideon, and we've had others in this church who have been great Gideons. That's all they do is try to get the Bible into people's hands. Why do we do that? Because we stand in awe of it. We know that it's God himself who speaks when the word of God is read and heard. And when it gets into a person's heart, God can use it to change their life. We're not trying. See, that's the amazing thing. We have no desire to try to indoctrinate people or try to make people uh, recite something by rote. We want them to read it for themselves and see what happens. We believe so strongly that the word of God is God himself speaking, that when people read it, God will do a work in their life. And so we simply want to get it into their hands, and then God will do the rest. That's one of the unique things about the Christian faith is uh, we're not saying you recite a certain thing and you become a Christian. You know, the Muslims say all you have to do to become a Muslim is to say there is one God and Muhammad is his prophet. You're a Muslim if you say that. Now, I didn't say that because I became a Muslim. I'm just telling you that's what they say. They don't even have to understand the Koran. We lived in Indonesia for eight years. And every day we heard over the loudspeakers from the mosque, we heard the recitation of the Koran in Arabic, the call to prayer, the recitation of the Koran. And the crazy thing is, of course, in Indonesia, they don't even speak Arabic. And so the people learn how to recite this, but they don't even know what it says. They don't understand it, but they don't need to understand it. In fact, they're glad if people don't understand it because they have them right where they want them if they don't understand it. They're ignorant of of the whole thing. But you see, that's not what the Bible is about. We need to understand the Bible. We want people to read it for themselves and hear it. And the psalmist here is saying to God about his word, I stand in awe. My heart is in awe of your word. And that's because it has great power. Comfort to comfort, to strengthen, and to convict us of our own sin, but to show us not only who we are, but to show us who God is. And God is a God of great love and mercy. The obedient heart stands in awe, has a holy fear of God. Not fear that God won't do what is good, but a simple, uh, by, simp- by fear meaning a, a, uh, a great awe of his holiness. See, it's hard to even put it into words. His majesty, his power, his glory. The, the, the obedient heart also rejoices. He says, I rejoice at your word. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. The Bible is a great treasure, isn't it? Simply because it is God speaking to us. There are Christians around the world tonight who would give anything to have a copy of the Bible. They may only have a certain portion of it. It's illegal to have it. They're persecuted for it. They're imprisoned if they're found with it. It is a great treasure. They know it's a great treasure. 
we should know it's a great treasure too. It shouldn't have to become illegal for us to treasure the Bible. And yet, many times we have multiple Bibles in our home, and many times they're never even used. It's a treasure because it's God himself who has the words of life. And they're practical words. They'll help us as we live. And so the psalmist rejoiced at his word because he knew it was a great treasure. The obedient heart praises. It says seven times a day I praise you. Do you think he meant we're supposed to, are we supposed to set our clocks and praise God seven times a day? Is that what he meant? Seven times a day I praise you. Well, that wouldn't be such a bad thing necessarily. Seven is a number of fulfillment, right? A number of completion. And so what he's really saying is, I praise you all the time. I praise you continually. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be 24-7 standing on your feet with your hands in the air and just doing nothing but saying, I praise you, God. I praise you, God. But in your heart, in your mind, all through the day, there's so many times you can just say, Lord, I love you. So, Lord, thank you. Lord, I praise you for who you are and for what you've done. That's a heart of praise. And that's an obedient heart. And so in our lives, we'll be a lot happier if we talked about giving thanks this morning. This is very close to that. If you give thanks to God, if you praise God on an ongoing basis, you'll find your, your own mood, your own heart is lifted because you're getting your eyes off of yourself and you get your eyes onto God. And when you do that, you can't help but be encouraged because God is so wonderful. He's so marvelous. We spend too much of our time just looking at ourselves instead of looking up at God. And if we'll go through life with this obedient heart of praise, it will make a great difference. The obedient heart has peace. He says, great peace have those who love your law. I wonder why that is. Why do you think that is? Great peace have those who love your law. Well, we know the truth, don't we? When we see what God's word says, we know what the truth is. And then we can Allow God to change our hearts so that we become consistent with who he is. And because of Jesus, we know that he will forgive us of our sin. The psalmist was writing this long before Jesus came. And so he, he couldn't be writing about uh, what Jesus was going to do. But Jesus, by coming and making a way for us to be made right with God once and for all, he fulfilled the great desires expressed by this psalmist. The obedient heart also then cries out for God's help in that last stanza, verses 169 through verse 176. He had made a very true statement in verse 168, for all my ways are before you. Do you believe that? God sees all of our ways. He knows everything about us, doesn't he? And I think because this psalmist knew that, that's when he then moves in these closing verses to talk about crying out to God for help. So 
Right after he said, for all my ways are before you, verse 169, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. The Bible tells us that real understanding about what life is about, why we're here, where we're going, how we get there, is only found through his word. Because it reveals the truth that God created us. We have sinned, every one of us. We've all fallen short. We've rebelled against God by doing our own thing instead of what he wants. And Jesus came so that we can be forgiven of all of that sin, all of that rebellion. He took our sin upon himself. He took our punishment upon himself. And when we put our trust in him, he will forgive us. And make us his own children. The word of God will give us that understanding. The psalmist, it hadn't happened yet. But what he was saying here will be eternally true. That the word of God, it will give us his understanding. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. He's, he's asking for God to deliver him. To help him all through these last verses. My lips shall utter praise. For you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word. For all your commandments are righteousness. And then he says let your hand become my help. The hand of God. He knew that the hand of God had brought the people of Israel. Out of their bondage. And across the Red Sea on dry land. And through the wilderness wandering all of those years. And into the promised land. And he's now saying, he's, he's asking that the hand of God would be his help. In a personal way. For I have chosen, he says, your precepts, your truth, your word. And then the cry, I long for your salvation, O Lord. You know, now, if you long for the salvation of God, it's just a prayer away. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, what the past or the present may be, if you long for God's forgiveness, his salvation, all you have to do is ask for it. Because Jesus has paid it. He's paid for it. It's, it's like a, a great gift. Purchased and ready for you to receive. And so uh, Jesus has so fulfilled the great desires of this psalmist. I long for your salvation, O Lord. And your law, your word, and your truth is my delight. Let my soul live and it shall praise you. Now, I think he was asking for deliverance from the situation of the time, but without even realizing it, of course, the Lord does let our soul live, doesn't he? He will redeem our souls. He will forgive us and cleanse us so that we can live forever, not just live for a time on this earth, but when this earthly life comes to an end, we can go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And so he will let your soul live. And it's because of his mercy and grace that he does that. 
And then the honest statement in verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. That echoes what we find elsewhere in Scripture, isn't it? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, each one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, meaning Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. And so, yes, we're like lost sheep. And then he asks, seek your servant. He's saying that to God. Seek your servant. Help me. Well, God has provided a way, hasn't he now? For all who will call upon him. He has sought us out. And we're, we're getting ready to observe the Christmas season. That's what we're going to celebrate. That God sought us out. He came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. To seek, and Jesus said about himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's you. That's me. And that's what it means to believe what God's word says about salvation. You turn to him. You receive him. And he is available to all who will call upon his name. Uh, he's a gentleman. He won't force his way into anybody's life. But he has bought and paid for your salvation, your forgiveness, your eternal life. And if you'll only receive it, it will be yours forever. And so this great psalm, it points us to the word of God, which tells us all of these great truths. Let's stand in awe forever of God and his word. How wonderful it is, how powerful it is, and may it become a part of who we are. May it change us. Because the Lord loves you and wants you to have a personal relationship with him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it tells us. And for this great chapter, we thank you for all that it has impressed upon us about your holy and perfect word. Lord, help us to not just talk about it, but help us to listen to what the Bible says. And we know every time we do, it will be fresh and new. You will speak to us. Lord, thank you for each one here tonight. And as we have this time of invitation, we pray you'll lead us if there are any decisions we need to make tonight, publicly or privately. Lord, help us now to follow you. Maybe there's something we've thought about doing for a long time, just never done it. This is the moment and hour you've brought us to. So help us to leave here knowing that we've done exactly what you want us to do. And if there's someone here who needs to receive Jesus as their Savior, so they'll know for sure they're going to go to heaven, we pray that they'll do that right now. Just receive and say, Lord, I believe you love me and that you died for me. Please come into my life. I give my life to you. And we know that sounds so simple, but it is profound. And Lord, you say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we thank you for how this psalmist cried out to you for your salvation, for your help. And we thank you that you will answer 
whenever we call. Use this time now and may you be glorified in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn. I'll be standing up front. If there's anyone who needs to pray about something or if you have a decision God has laid upon your heart to make tonight, you come. I'll be glad to pray with you, to help you, and we just want his will to be done as we sing.